Howdy folks, I want to welcome you to another episode of Life Around the Fire. My name is David Hutari and I'll be your host today. We are a podcast that is devoted to spiritual growth. And when I'm talking about spiritual growth, what I'm referring to is growth in our relationship with God and in our relationships with one another. What I'd like to do today is dive right in to the Sermon on the Mount that's recorded in Matthew chapter 5. But in this particular podcast series, we're looking at the context found in Matthew chapter 4 all the way through Matthew chapter 8. That's kind of the framework that we're using. So if you're interested in a good study, my encouragement would be for you to take some time and look at the entire section found in Matthew chapter 4 all the way through Matthew chapter 8. You will find so much good inspirational material in there, but also things that are practical that can be applied to your life that literally transform the course of your daily life, man. (laughs) How can I say that? You'll find out as we go further, but I can say that because it is impacting my life in a significant way. Once again, you're talking to a guy or you're listening to a person who a few years ago was a hopeless, dead-in-the-water drunk, along with a lot of other stuff. I was a washed-up former Pentecostal preacher who had run into some really, 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 really hard times in life and turned to the bottle for refuge and found myself at the bottom of the bottle, desperate. If you want to know more, just go back on some of the podcast episodes. You'll hear more. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time and glorify my past because there's no glory in it. It was hard. It was just absolutely degraded and difficult. (laughs) All three D's right there, man. But on the flip side, that was then, this is now, and the encouragement is for some of us who are listening or you know someone, you're just in hard, you're, you're in a rough spot, man. You're in some hard times. And you want to know, is there anything really real to this following Jesus stuff? Or is it just inspirational? Does it just kind of put a band-aid on a bullet hole? 
and we call it healed, or is this stuff for real? Well, this stuff is for real. And as we've been looking at the teachings of Jesus, which, by the way, Jesus is the master teacher. There is, <laughs> there, 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 there never has been and never will be someone who's a better teacher than Jesus. But my aspirations are to be like him. So I know I've got a long way to go, but if you just kind of buckle up with me, we'll see if we can cover some good ground here, okay? Now, Matthew, his letter that he wrote was primarily originally written to people that were Jewish. And he wanted them to know the Messiah. He wanted them to know that the Messiah had come, that Jesus, Yeshua, was the Messiah, that they didn't need to look for someone else. In fact, their salvation was found, is found in Jesus. And so it was originally written to a group of people that were skeptical, to say the least. Many of them hardcore in their religion, and they weren't about to budge, except Jesus has a way of working his heart into our heart because it's his heart to see us set free from the bondage and the blindness that keeps us. So he is passionate about finding a way to reach you. He is to reach me. He's passionate in his pursuit of us. And he is not easily denied where some of us, we get discouraged, we quit. That's not Jesus. He does not quit on us. He continues pursuing us all the way to the end because he knows how difficult it is to walk on this planet at times. This place can be a hard place to live. And so Jesus is addressing a group of people and Matthew's recording what he said. But that was, like I said, originally written for the Jewish people. It has relevancy to all of us because the word of God is everlasting and it reaches across the generations. It, cre it reaches across nationalities. It reaches across religions because we're not talking about another religion. We're talking about relationship, the connection with us and God, which is beautiful, which Jesus came to demonstrate and then to offer. And so in his teaching in Matthew chapter five, it's recorded as Jesus saying, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Not blessed are the pure in heart for they will see great wealth or blessed are the pure in heart for they will see Disneyland, right? Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see all their relationships go real smooth. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Now, 
I can hear in the back of someone's mind saying, God, well, <laughs> why don't you tell me something good? God? Well, the reason that that goes on in the back of some of our minds is because we've had a skewed image of who God is. Much like the people back in the day, much like the Jewish people had a skewed image of who God was because the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, some of the religious people had portrayed God as being this legalistic, uptight, hard-to-please individual that was always on the verge of annihilating us for what we were doing wrong. Looking for us to do something wrong. That was the image that God had, that, that people had of God. And today, it's probably even worse. And so, to say, we'll see God if we have pure, pureness of heart, it's kind of like, oh, then me, I probably don't want to be pure in heart. Let me see if I can be just the opposite because this God stuff is really not for me. That's because you've not met God yet or you've met something that has been called God, but it isn't. Because to meet God is to meet the absolute delight of all creation. <laughs> to have a relationship with God is the end of our journey and the beginning of eternity. It's the end of our search and the beginning of our journey, I should say, throughout eternity. Our search is over. Finally, we have come home. And home is found in the heart of God. And so Jesus is saying, those who've gone through a refining process are able to actually perceive and have relationship with God that's like hosting his presence. Hosting the presence of the Lord is what we are called to be. We are called to be those vessels that literally contain his presence. That's powerful. That alone is just a staggering thought that we are called to literally carry with us the presence of God. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, those who are pure in heart will carry the presence of God. They'll see God. They'll be entwined with God. They'll be turned with God. Not a good guy down the street. Certainly not that angry judge that wants to wipe people out for doing wrong. But God. The God who heals. The God who delivers. The God who saves. The God who lifts us up from the mire. From the just garbage that we live in. That God the God of gods, the God Almighty, our Heavenly Father. He is the one who is reaching out to us in love. And he said very clearly that when we go through the process of having our insides pure, he will make himself known. Jesus goes on to say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, not children of David, not children of Israel, 
not children of America, not children of Africa, not children of Frank, not children of somebody who's famous, not children of this particular political party, not children of this particular religion, but children of God. Powerful. Children of God. So what does that look like? I mean, does that really, 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 really take place? When we receive God, we host the presence of God. When we are born again by the Spirit of God, what's some of the stuff that actually literally happens to us? Okay? Well, the best way that I can illustrate it is by the things that have happened in me, to me, and through me as a result of my relationship with Jesus, right? Him entering into my life, him giving me his life, taking from me my sinful past, my present and my future, and presenting me as a person that is pure, without any blemish, loved completely, and secure eternally, secure. Man, right? Little side note, have you ever dealt with insecurities? They will cripple us. They can cripple a person. They crippled me. Yeah, man, like I said, I, I was I was a mess. And now I'm able to say when the peace of God was established in me, when he said peacemakers, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be known as the children of God. The first place to have peace made is between us and God. And then the next place is for you to have peace, for me to have peace. If peace isn't in me, there's no way I can export it to anyone else. I can't give away what I don't have. Making peace part of my life. When peace became part of my life, here are some of the things that took place and are taking place. They're growing. Becoming quicker to forgive. <laughs> Interesting. I used to really hold grudges a long time. Becoming quicker to forgive, to forgive others and to forgive myself. Becoming slower to be angry. Man, anger. Anger is still an issue that I contend with periodically, but it is miles removed from where I used to be. I've never been a violent person, but I would use my anger to get large and keep people away from places that were issues in my life that I didn't want them to touch. Becoming less and less self-conscious and overly sensitive. I've noticed that I've become less and less self-conscious and overly sensitive with others and myself. I allow for others and myself to change. Isn't that interesting? To change. 
You see, if someone changes, but in our mind's eye, we don't let them change, they can go ahead and change, but in our own mind, they stay the same. And so we're holding on to something of the past where they are already miles beyond that, but we don't see it because they're locked in. That unforgiveness thing literally locks us into the past. Being more persistent. Huh. The peace of God in me allows me to be more persistent. Where I used to give up because things were hard. I find myself not doing that, but persisting, but being something that continues on. I'm someone who continues on instead of that person who quits. Ever been known as someone who starts something but just doesn't finish it? You're not persistent? That doesn't bring peace. That brings strife. brings that chaos, that, that feeling of unsettledness. I've noticed that I become more confident. I've noticed that I'm trusting God more. I still have a ways to go, but I'm trusting God more. That means my faith is growing in his faithfulness. I'm seeing God as being more full of faith and faithful, and so I am able to receive that, accept that, and live that. I'm finding that I'm taking more risks, the good ones, like reaching out and helping my neighbor or doing something kind to someone in a grocery store. Whereas before, I would stay to myself just because I want to get involved. You know, just do my own thing, just kind of just keep my head down and do my stuff. I'm realizing because of the peace of God that I'm being more kind, patient, and enduring. <laughs> Sound like love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. I'm seeing myself as God truly sees me. Wow. It's been said that the humanist doesn't need to think lower thoughts about themselves. They just need to think higher thoughts about God because God is the one who thinks more highly of us than we do. He thinks highly of us. He esteems us highly. He esteems us so high that we are worth his blood. Powerful. And last but not least, I'm trusting that the love of God actually wins. The love of God actually wins. W-I-N-S. It actually wins. Hatred, strife, envy, destruction, evil are not going to prevail. Love wins. Love conquers all. Love never fails. There are things in life that are going to fail us. People are going to fail us. Sometimes we're going to fail ourselves. But the love of God, it never fails. And the peace of God 
is the result of the love of God, or they go hand in hand. You really can't separate the two. The peace of God and the love of God, when the peace of God prevails in us, the love of God is released from us and also released to us. We're able to experience it because we can't experience things when we are tense, when we are bound up inside. Have you ever tried to experience joy when you are worried? The two don't exist. Same thing goes with the commotion that goes on inside of us. Have you ever tried to receive a hug from someone when you got a bunch of turmoil going on inside of you? That turmoil will block you from the benefit of that hug. Well, the same type of thing goes along in our relationship with God. There are things that are available to us, but because we are so full of other things, we fail to receive them. And also, we fail to demonstrate them because we are plugged up inside with other things. And the peace of God opens us up. It allows us to become an open vessel. It allows us to become a vessel that also hosts the presence of the Lord. There's a word that the Lord has given me pertaining to his presence and what he is doing in the earth today. And that is this. He is causing his glory to be magnified, and that we are called to be people that host the glory of the Lord, where we are people that tangibly carry around with us the presence of God, where his glory is visible, his glory is tangible in our lives, not just by what we say. We're not called to bombard people with words. Our actions are designed to be a light that people see. Our actions are designed to be a word that people hear. What comes from us, the presence of God that is on us, in us, and through us, is what people are impacted by more than what we say about things. It's how we live and how God demonstrates himself through us that really impact people as we host the glory of the Lord. But peace is what hosts the presence of God. He does not abide where there isn't peace. And so whether that's in us individually, and that's what we're talking about right here. We're really talking about us being those recipients of the peace of God first. And then we're going to talk now next about some of the external things that are the result of that. But internally, I just showed you a few things within my own personal life from being a drunk, self-seeking, angry person to being someone who is growing in Christ-likeness. That's not because one day I decided I was going to be a good guy. That's a result of God's spirit at work within me and him giving me his peace. He made peace. That's God's peace. Now, me making his peace makes me a child of God. No one else gave me peace. Nothing else gave me peace. I used to be a child of vodka. 
Now I'm a child of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the work of your spirit. How you take simple things and you use them for your glory. How you can take bread and cause your glory to rest upon it and it's a message. How you can take wine and rest upon it and it's a message. How you can take our lives and rest upon them and it's a message. Lord, you are wonderful. You're amazing. Please take these simple words and spread them around the world, Lord, that people that need to hear them would hear them and that it would be shared in ways that are through what we say and what we do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) You know, I really mean that. I really, really, really mean that prayer. And thank you for those of you who are praying along with me. I really appreciate everything that you're doing. For those of you who are faithfully involved in praying for us, man, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so if any of you have thoughts, questions, concerns, and you'd like to drop us a line, feel free to do that at lifearoundthefire at gmail.com. Life Around the Fire is all one word, all lowercase, lifearoundthefire at gmail.com. We'll get back in touch with you. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, God bless you and adios, amigos.